Hello and welcome to this week's Alpha Zone. That's right, the Alpha Zone. Here with your host, Yelp. We're starting off this week with the AEW Dynamite review from Wednesday, the 18th of August 2011. Eddie Kingston and John Moxley were walking to the ring for a promo to open the show. However, 2.0, whoever this new trio's team is, jumped Moxley and Kingston before walking to the ring and calling out Darby Allen and Sting to the ring. You know what this is? This is lazy booking. This is jump starting it because you can't figure out how to get out of a bad situation that you've caused with your lazy booking. No good storytelling here, predictably. 2.0 Darby Allen and Sting fight in the crowds and in the building. This will result in a lawsuit when the wrong ha- when the wrong fan gets hit by accident. After five minutes, it's back in the ring and fighting through the crowd, which is nonsense, as these three guys are wrestling, beating up a 61-year-old Sting. Then, the annoying announcer Excalibur screams, No DQ! Randomly, because lazy booking. If you randomly have to scream, no DQ. In the middle of a match. That's because you didn't explain it properly. And nobody understands. Say it with me on the count of three. One. Two. Three. Lazy booking. Oi, oi, oi. And. While we're on the subject of Excalibur. Excalibur. On the commentary table. This guy was a guy who was an independent wrestler who used to wrestle for some outlaw independent show in Mexico before he got booked on Mexico's biggest wrestling agency or company, AAA. And he was there for all of a cup of coffee 10 years ago before he got kicked off back to the indie scene. So, he's most famous for being in the indie scene 15 years ago. That's his claim to fame. He sits on a commentary table, sat next to Jim Ross, the legendary wrestling announcer Jim Ross, and the legendary WCW announcer Tony Schiavone, in a mask, because he's a mark for himself, because obviously everybody must know that I, Excalibur, I'm an independent indie wrestler who worked in the Outlaw Mud Show and no DQ. That is how... Excuse me, there is a message for you. Sorry about that. That is how this guy sounds. It is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oi, oi, oi. Darby Allen then jumps off of a barricade because why not you know why the hell not then randomly Eddie Kingston who got jumped earlier decides he's going to interfere because why not and the entire time Excalibur is screaming no DQ no DQ no DQ Oh, for fuck's sake, someone tell him, shut the fuck up. This man is a cockroach. (sighs) Then, 2.0 put Sting through a table. Seconds later, the 61-year-old Sting gets up, does a double backdrop, before he decides he's going to put these guys in a 
double submission move. Obviously, both of these guys from 2.0 are working together. Because a 61-year-old Sting is no way strong enough to turn both these guys over. Just oi oi oi. Within 30 seconds of being in this submission, 2.0 tap out. I would give this 3 out of 10 stars. Lazy booking. I would give this 10 out of 10 for the lazy booking scale. The next match. The next match we have Sean Spears versus Sammy Guevara. Sean Spears tries to jump Sammy before the match. This is the second time this has happened and we are only the second match in. By God, this lazy booking from this. The owner and the booker, Tony Khan, is absolutely ridiculous. It is lazy booking. Every match starts with a jump angle and ends with an angle afterwards. It's just... Oh. So, Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara roll into the ring. Then they roll out and they fight throughout the crowd. For some reason, the referee doesn't count to ten and disqualify both guys because obviously that's not what's been called for. Again, way to humiliate the referee. Sean Spears and his manager, Tony Blanchard, one of the legendary war horsemen from back in the day, interfere right in front of the referee. And this useless referee just ignores it. That should have been a blatant disqualification. So, let's go through this, shall we? We've had at least 15 10 counts that should have ended the match. We've had interference from a manager that should have interfered, that should have stopped the match. But nope. Now, Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara roll into the ring. Again, this is the second time they have rolled into the ring. Now, all of a sudden, ding, 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 match starts. Because, obviously, they needed to do all of that. If they were going to do that, don't have them roll in the ring. Because everybody knows, once both competitors are in the ring, regardless of if the bell goes or not, match has started. Way to bury your referee. Way to bury the competitors in the match. And way to make your, man your legendary manager look bad. Do you know why, Tony Khan? Lazy booking. So, after this match has just randomly started, because, you know, it should have done before, Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears go to cheat again, and now the referee decides it's a good idea to get rid of Tully Blanchard and send him away. Slow clap for the referee that has now decided that they want some authority and they actually want to do the job. After Tully Blanchard has been sent to the back, the match settles down. There's a series of back and forth with Sammy Guevara clearly being the baby face. Sean Spears clearly being the heel. After Sammy Guevara randomly, out of nowhere, gets a roll up for a two count, somebody woke Excalibur up and Excalibur shouts at the top of his lungs, Well, this is Sammy Guevara's hometown and his fiance is in the audience. Exactly like that. And what the hell is wrong with this Mark? What the hell is wrong with him? He is a mark for himself. In wrestling terminology, somebody that is a mark for themselves 
takes themselves way too seriously and believes their own hype. Then Excalibur randomly starts screaming, We'll be right back in Pitcher and Pitcher! For those that don't know, Pitcher and Pitcher is the wrestling program gets put in a small box in the middle of the screen and 90% of the screen is then filled up with whatever they are advertising. Today, it was Domino's Pizza. In the small picture and picture, you can clearly see Sammy Guevara then takes a metal barricade out from under the ring and attaches it to the ropes. And he attaches it to another barricade, setting up a spot for later. Sean Spears hits his finisher for a two count before he picks up Sammy Guevara and just drops him. Just literally, literally just drops him and rolls out of the ring to pick up a steel chair. Because why, why not? You know, just why not? Sammy and Sean Spears fight for a bit more before Sammy Guevara puts Sean Spears through the barricade that he set up earlier. The referee decides, yep, perfectly legal. He rolls him back in the ring. And Sammy Guevara hits Sean Spears with the go to sleep, which is CM Punk's finishing move. Excalibur screaming something unaudible at the top of his lungs. I am assuming he was trying to call it something else to disassociate it with CM Punk. Because after all, CM Punk has signed with AEW. So soon... CM Punk will be there using his finishing maneuver to go to sleep. Now, my problem with this match is not that the match went ahead itself. It's that Sammy Guevara is a member of the Inner Circle. Sean Spears is a member of the Pinnacle. For anyone who's been watching for a while, you will know that AEW and the Booker, who has no clue what the hell he's doing, booked this ass about face. <laughs> Blood and Guts, or what, which was a while ago, where they had the Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle in a double steel cage match. That is the blow-off once you've had all the singles, the doubles, the triples, the interference, taking each other out. That's the blow-off to end the storyline. But no, this idiot booker has decided he's going to do it arse backwards. So he started at the end of the book and is now working backwards. He's now working to the front of the book. And you're like, wait, what? You started at the end and you're going backwards. It really does, oh, it gives me a headache. Just for the Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears there how they were in this match and the moves and everything, 5 out of 10 next we have an interview with the new TNA and Impact World Heavyweight Champion Christian Cage former Christian from WWE is being interviewed by Tony Schiavone before Don Callis decides to interrupt and run his mouth because he is the mouthpiece for AEW World Heavyweight Champion, Kenny Omega. Now, those of you that listen to the podcast long time will know that I am not Kenny Omega's biggest fan. In fact, I call him Twinkle Toes. And his finishing manoeuvre, the one-winged fairy, is the weakest-looking finisher in wrestling history. Now, that takes a lot into consideration. But... Don continues running his mouth. Don Callis cuts a rubbish promo. Christian 
then retorts leading a masterclass in promos and selling just by using his facial expressions and his hand movements. I'm going to give this a 3 out of 10. Christian's part, I would give, if I was grading Christian alone, I would give him a 10 out of 10. Don Callis, I would give him a negative. I don't even know what negative I would give him. But for them both together, a 3 out of 10. Next, a, a promo by three random people that have just been put together in a group. So we're not going to even review that or give that any stars just because I have no interest in it. And that's the honest answer, folks. Next, we have a promo from Chris Jericho going on about the four labours of Jericho. Basically, the four matches that he had to have previously in order to have one match tonight with MJF. And what he is going to do, that he can't use the Judas effect, his finisher, or come out to his theme song, the Judas which is ridiculous and just fucking delusional, ridiculous, and just, oy, oy, oy. Just, ugh. Again, Chris Jericho leads the inner circle, and MJF leads Pinnacle. Chris Jericho is in the inner circle, and MJF is in the pinnacle. Now have I said this enough so it sinks in that this is this feud between the inner circle and the pinnacle has been booked completely the wrong way around. It's all ass about face. Right? I'm hoping I've got this point across. But Jericho, Chris Jericho is going purple in the face cutting this promo his voice is squeaky this is pathetic he needs to retire he's 52 years of age he's completely out of shape he is a heavyweight wrestler now because of his size and his weight and he's still trying to cut a promo like a cruiserweight he's still trying to move his in-ring style like a cruiserweight if he wanted to continue in the wrestling business, he should have transitioned to what his current weight is as a heavyweight and adjusted his style, his moves, and what he can do in order to help that. But no, Jericho still wants to run around acting like a cruiserweight. Jericho has been in the business for 30 years. He should know better. However, I'm going to give this promo 5 out of 10. Then Excalibur shouts, This match is going to be amazing! This next match! We get another ad break because, you know, why not have a picture-in-picture ad break? When we come back, the next match is Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy versus the middle-aged Bucks. They're actually called the Young Bucks, but they're both middle-aged. So, the middle-aged Bucks for the AEW Tag Team Championship. There is a 16-minute time limit in this match. This is the first time in the show they have even mentioned a time limit. Why? Because... The Young Bucks matches don't tend to go that long. You know, a 16-minute match for them, watching it seems like it's gone on for 16 hours. Now I've started. That's the premise. <laughs> Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus come out and for some reason 
Marco stunt. Their team mate. Their little. I don't even know how to describe him or what to say. In a match he did for a independent promotion, he swallowed a dildo. He was beaten with a fetish whip around the ring before tapping out in what would only be described as a stereotypical girls slapping each other fight not to be sexist or not to offend any of the ladies listening but if you know that stereotype you know how Marco Stunt tapped out now Somehow, TNT still let Marco Stunt still be on their show, despite the fact that Marco Stunt and his brother both have multiple sexual harassment cases open by different women. And for some reason, Marco Stunt is still allowed on national TV. TNT, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. Marco Stunt shouldn't be anywhere near polite society. But for some reason, because Tony Khan likes him, man, he is on the show. Nobody knows why. You know, you would have thought that in the age of Me Too and you have to believe women when they make a claim about sexual harassment and stuff like that which if a woman comes forward with that they are brave and should be respected and should be believed let alone multiple women coming forward to make this statement about Marco Stunt and his brother sorry I'm going off on a tangent here my basic thing is Marco Stunt should not be allowed anywhere near television. But he makes this big, or he shouldn't be allowed anywhere near polite society. He should be locked in a cage with a key thrown away with him and his brother. And that way, women that attend wrestling shows are safe. And polite society is safe from the Stunt Brothers. Next, the middle-aged Bucks come out to the ring with Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, the Impact Tag Team Champions, Don Callis, and Brandon Cutlet. Dear God, I hope one of them breaks Marco Stunt's leg or neck so we never have to see this thing called Marco Stunt again. The first half of the match, Jungle Boy is in the ring. With the middle-aged Bucks, you know exactly what match it's going to be. Flips, tricks and gymnastics routines. Because that's the only match that they can have. Because they are not talented tag team wrestlers. The Young Bucks did an interview about six months ago where they said, and I quote, in between laughing, historically, because it's obviously the funniest thing in the world, that people spend millions of pounds setting up training schools to teach wrestling properly, and they learn on their trampoline. And if they can learn on their trampoline, what do you need wrestling school for? If people get hurt in the ring, then obviously... They're not safe and they need to learn better. Because him and his brother that learn in their backyard on a trampoline never hurt each other. So therefore anyone can do it. Now I know wrestling is 
What's the word I'm looking for? I know the outcomes are predetermined, but that doesn't mean if you fuck up the moves, they can't put you in a wheelchair. Many wrestlers have been put in a wheelchair because moves have been fucked up. But the Young Bucks that thought it was great fun to say this in a private interview, in TV magazines, in New Japan, on AEW television, in their book. Just, oh. Oi, 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 Jungle Boy eventually tags in Luchasaurus for the heat spot. Luchasaurus takes over. You can tell whenever he's in the ring because there is no flips and tricks and dance routines from the Young Bucks. He acts like a big man in the ring. He is seven foot. He wrestles like a big man, like a traditional big man. Then, for some reason, the young or the middle-aged Bucks hand-picked referee in all of their matches because they have to have the same referee in all of their matches because he's useless and doesn't do anything. You can quite hearly, you can quite hearly, hearly hear them scream. Get him out. We want Jungle Boy. He's making us look bad. So Mike Knox, the referee, tells Luchasaurus that he needs to tag out. Luchasaurus does. Why? I would have just, if I was Luchasaurus, I would have just turned around and told him to go fuck himself. And just gone into business for myself and kicked the crap out of these middle-aged bucks. The middle-aged bucks, the young bucks, are EVPs. They're vice presidents of the company. They book the tag team scene. Surprise, surprise, they book themselves to win every single match. <sighs> when, it comes, when it comes to young bucks matches. They have their own appointed referee where they can do what they want. But if anybody else does anything, you know, the young bucks come in the ring with steel chairs and hit their opponents. Knocks, not a problem. The opponents do it back. Ding, 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 disqualification. So you can tell. For some reason, Marco, the piece of shit stunt, then decides to jump up on the ring randomly, screaming at people in the ring. And the zombie referee, Rick Knox, doesn't do anything other than look at the young bucks. He's looking at them, and they just give him a sign as if to say, there, 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 stop. And he just stops. Before Kenny Omega sneaks up behind Marco and hits him with a chair in the back, then in the spine, then in the head, then in the lower ankles. Yeah, buddy! The wrestling gods have heard what I wanted. They're finally taking the little prick out. Yes! Unfortunately... Christian Cage interrupts to save Marco. Normally I'd love seeing Christian on this show, but bad Christian. That's a bad Christian. The Young Bucks then take the chair because the referee is distracted by Kenny Omega and Christian. They try to use a steel chair. Jungle Boy reverses it. Hits one of the middle-aged bucks with the chair. Throws it out of the ring. Goes for the pin. 
just after the two, not only does the other middle-aged buck break up the pin, but the one being pinned kicks out, because middle-aged bucks must be strong, even though they are the smallest in the tag team division. It is an absolute joke that guys twice to three times the size have to do gymnastics routines with these high school looking aged well their bodies look like high school age children but these are middle-aged men <sighs> just the middle-aged bucks do some bullshit where they literally run over and tell, and you can hear this, Luchasaurus, that he's going to be hit and he's going to go down. They run over, they hit him, he goes down for some reason. Then they grab Jungle Boy and hit him with that bullshit knee to the head thing where they both do it. One, two, three, match over. Middle-aged bucks retain the titles. Negative five stars. Skipping over the Brit Baker promo that was next, as I'm not going to review her throwing donuts at people, because she's a heel, and therefore it makes complete and utter sense to throw donuts at people. No, it doesn't. But, hey... That's what they want to do. Next, we have Paul White walking down to the ring. The former big show in WWE. Paul White, Paul White reminisces over last week and why he knocked out a wrestler called Solo. And he was talking about QT Marshall before QT Marshall and Solo walk out and QT cuts a mediocre, a mediocre promo. Paul White tells him that he is not just a commentator, that he will have a match in Chicago. That it will be QT, QT Marshall and Paul White one-on-one. Now, bear in mind, this in Chicago thing is CM Punk's hometown. This is where CM Punk is rumoured to be debuting. If he doesn't debut, I genuinely think there will be a riot in the building. <laughs> QT, negative five. Paul White, 15. So, that is what I would rate them individually. However, this segment together, 2 out of 10 stars. Next match, Penelope Ford versus Thunder Rosa. A great back and forth match. Great technical wrestling. Thunder Rosa wins by submission, 6 out of 10 stars. Can't say any more than that. Next, Tony Schiavone is standing next to the legendary Arn Anderson, who is a member of the Four Horsemen. You know, the legendary Four Horsemen group. But Arn Anderson has to cut a worried promo because his son, Brock Anderson, is going to face Malachi Black next week. For those of you that don't know, Malachi Black was the f was formerly known as Alistair Black in WWE. I know how original. He changed the first name. The only reason this match is the only reason this promo, I should say, is getting five stars is because of Arn Anderson. If anybody else had been cutting that promo, 
I would have given it negative stars. But out of respect for for Horseman and all the work that Arn Anderson did in the ring, five stars. Next, and finally, we have MJF versus Chris the Jericho. I'm not kidding. That's how he was announced by the ring announcer, Chris the Jericho. The heel, MJF, enters first, which is strange because normally it's the babyface that enters first. But hey, MJF enjoys the walk to the ring where he swears at the fans before somebody woke Excalibur up again. Excalibur then starts to say, How? Will Chris Jericho cope without coming to the ring to his hit song Judas and without being able to use the Judas effect? His finisher. Oh, for God's sake. Why doesn't Jim Ross or Tony Giovanni just tell him to shut up? I mean, seriously, tell him to shut up. Chris Jericho then walks out in a quiet arena where predictably the fans are singing Judas. MJF's face, where he's selling the pissed off and the why would you do this? Why are they singing? Tell them to stop singing. He looks at the referee and the referee says, the referee being, oh, what was her name? Um. Uh, her name is Aubrey Edwards that's it before Aubrey Edwards says the fans are singing it it's nothing Jericho is doing they're not playing his music it's the fans Jericho slowly walks to the ring milking the fans singing his theme Jericho is clearly the babyface, and MJF is clearly the heel. Despite the fact Excalibur, who is a moron, and again, a mark for himself, suddenly shouts, In this company there are no heels or babyfaces. Like, why? Why would you randomly say that? Why can't somebody tell him to take that stupid mask off and talk normally or tell him to shut the fuck up and just sit there and learn from JR and Tony Schiavone? I mean, I'd love for that to happen, but hey. We start off with a great back and forth. Just the technical wrestling, the slowing it down, the milking, the injury spots the selling the moves from Jericho selling MJF's moves to MJF selling Jericho's moves milking it the perfect amount of time before MJF throws Chris Jericho into the turnbuckle and he hits his left arm and his right leg MJF then goes after the left arm before biting Chris Jericho's fingers. At this point, Jim Ross is pointing out that Jericho is a veteran and that injuries take longer to heal and that he needs to be careful before Excalibur randomly just jumps in going, AW! I mean, what was the point in that? What was the point in it? You know, again, why? One of the two legendary people on the announce table. Don't you tell him. Shut the fuck up. Or fuck off. I'll never know. Chris Jericho. And MJF. Are still going. Back and forth. Just a great. Great match. 
at certain points in the match you can tell Jericho is an older competitor and is trying to work like a cruiserweight despite the fact he is a heavyweight is catching up with him he is out of breath he is rolling around despite that MJF and Jericho are still having a great back and forth match as much as I'm enjoying this match if Jericho was to edit his style and stop doing cruiserweight moves I think it would make for a much better Chris Jericho match and that's my honest critique of Chris Jericho but back to the match Jericho goes for the Judas effect goes to hit his Judas effect finisher which is banned and he has to stop himself MJF pulls Edward pulls the referee in front of him so he can low blow Jericho for a two count roll up Jericho kicks out MJF looks visibly annoyed before MJF goes over to pick up his diamond ring Aubrey takes the diamond ring away. Jericho hits him with the bat Floyd for a two count. Jericho looks like, man, what do I have to do to put this guy away? Great selling on both their faces. Great selling of the match. This is a back and forth match. Jericho goes for the walls of Jericho. MJF reverses it. And gets Chris Jericho in the walls of Jericho. Great. Absolutely great. Jericho has to crawl on his hands and knees to the ropes. Great. Just, oh. Between these two in this match. Just great wrestling. After five minutes of back and forwards and... Somebody waking Excalibur up again. So Excalibur can say, There are no heels and faces in A-E-W. Before MJF gets Chris Jericho in his finisher, which is an armbar. An armbar at an angle. But Excalibur excitedly exclaims it's the salt of the earth submission oh my god jr says in all of jericho's 30 years he has never tapped out excalibur yes but it's the salt of the earth and everybody has to tap out and you can hear it you can hear this right I'm going to do exactly what Excalibur did. Three seconds later, Chris Jericho tapped out. Now, if Excalibur hadn't have gone above and beyond to smack the table three times and hadn't gone above and beyond to be annoying, I would have given this match 12 out of 10 stars because of Excalibur and he does take away from this main event the technical skill on show between MJF and Chris Jericho just for them and their performance alone I've already given you my rating but because of Excalibur this gets a 7 out of 10 That is AEW for Wednesday the 18th. Coming up in the Alpha Zone, as we are not done yet, I'm going to be talking to a special guest, to Mummy, to the Wendy Lady. Then after that, there will be a review of Rex and Hudson then after that there will be the ghost of Toshima 
and how they have fucked it up with the new update. Anyway, Ghost of Tsushima. I loved everything about this game, from the storyline, which I thought was amazing, the collectibles, the fact that they made a new game plus mode, where you can complete it again, but you unlock better equipment, faster equipment. You get special dialogue from characters for doing certain missions. You get upgrades in your weapons. To the multiplayer, where you can play with up to four friends. The game was perfectly balanced. It was perfect. It was one of the best games to come out. Now, fast forward a year. And they announce there's an update. In that year, I've played Dragon Ball Z Xenoverse 2. I've played the new Call of Duty. Call of Duty Black Ops Warfare or whatever it's called. And I loved it. However, the new update for Ghost of Tsushima came out today and playing it with the smartest American in history, Scott. And I call him the smartest American in history because he has been studying for years and he's going, once he finishes his university course, he's going in to Congress in America. He has written multiple multiple papers that have been published on all different subjects every time i speak to him i learn something new every time i learn something new so in my eyes scott is the smartest american and my friend 50 my friend big josh to those of you that know otherwise my friend 50 so we're playing and in the software updates they said they have patched what they mean when they say they have patched it they mean they have weakened everything they have rebalanced the game and made it worse <laughs> they had the perfect game all they had to do was bring out new dlc but no, they rebalanced it. And they've made the game worse. Ghost of Tsushima. If you people or the programmers out there are listening. Respond to the tweet I've sent you please. Because this is ridiculous. You have majorly bucked up your game. You had what was for the year it was released unquestionably the best game but now i'm afraid you've ruined it and there's nothing that can be done to save it you have completely and utterly destroyed ghost of tashima the online multiplayer they have destroyed it so much that at the moment I do not want to play the new storyline that they brought out for single player. That is how disappointed not only myself, the Alpha, the smartest American, and 50 are that they have managed to destroy and wreck this game by balancing it. It was perfect the way it was before. And if you are listening out there, fix the game, reset it back to how it was before, how it was balanced before. It was so much better. Just add more DLC and you will have more and more happy customers. Learn from the mistakes of Mass Effect. Mass Effect was a great trilogy. The problem that they had 
is with every time they brought out an update and a new DLC, they would balance the game and make it worse and worse and worse until the point people stopped playing the online multiplayer and only played the story. Please, Ghost of Tsushima, learn. Learn from the mistakes of Mass Effect and from the mistakes of countless other games. Ghost of Tsushima, please take this opportunity to fix your game before it is way too late. You know, I was sent a message on Twitter privately asking me a question and I responded but it's not the first time I've got this question and in the past my answer would have been different but I'm going to give everybody the update now or oh, that was what my plan was but the words have left my mind on what I wanted to say, so please give me a moment, I will be right back. Thank you guys and girls and everybody listening. Right, so I was PM'd on the Twitter the other day and just before we started recording today. How was my relationship going? And is that the reason why there hasn't been much alpha zone? And the honest answer is yes. I was in a relationship and because of that, there wasn't that many episodes of the Alpha Zone. I was completely and utterly devoted to her and her relationship. And being when I wasn't at work, texting and calling and being around her and being with her. However, we are no longer together. And the, rather than messaging PMs that I get back asking how it's going, I'm letting everybody know here now that I am a single alpha and that I intend to remain that way. But yes, that is the update in my romantic and personal life. Thank you for caring, and thank you for always wishing me well, and thank you for always being curious, and thank you for always asking when the next Alpha Zone will be up. I didn't realise how important the alpha zone was to my listeners <coughs> I really didn't realise and I apologise for taking you guys for granted but rest assured the alpha zone is back now I wasn't sure if the alpha zone was even going to come back to be honest and I put a message up on my Snapchat, believe it or not, asking if I should do the alpha zone or if I should just leave it. And I was quite categorically told, no, bring the alpha zone back. I was given advice and given a lot of love and a lot of support from 
many, many people in my life. I want to say thank you to Kirsty. I want to say thank you to Kerry-Ann. I want to say thank you to my godson. I want to say thank you to my siblings. I want to say thank you to my mother and father. I want to say thank you to my godfather for being there. I want to say thank you to my best friends for being there and supporting me as I was an emotional wreck. And I was drinking a lot. But that is not healthy. And I recognise that. And I... I'm going to do better. I am going to do better for, not only for myself, to strive to make myself a better person, but for everybody here in the Alpha Zone, for my friends, for my family. I'm going to start back at the gym and start losing some of this weight that I've gained. After all, for years, I was 11 stone, 6 foot 3, 11 stone. Now, I'm 6 foot 3, and I am just over 15 stone. Well, I think I'm 6 foot 4. The last time I went for a checkup, I was 6 foot 3, although that has been a couple of years. So we'll go with the official, I'm 6 3. And 15 stone. God, I feel fat. But I'm going to go back to the gym. I'm going to go back to the gym. Start losing some of this weight. Start running. And I've also ordered myself a white fedora. Because I'm sure you all know that I love my white. Well, I love my fedoras. I've got a white fedora. I have a brown fedora. Now, I have a white fedora on the way. The next one will be a green and a blue fedora. My white fedora will go with my white trainers. And maybe blue jeans. I don't know. I haven't quite decided yet. And now we turn to the part of the Alpha Zone with my special guest, Mummy, and Buster the dog, who is asleep. Everybody, please welcome the Wendy Lady, a.k.a. Mummy. Hello. <laughs> so, my mum, as 90% of you don't know, works as a TA in a primary school. So, Mum, how are you enjoying this six-week summer holiday off? It's only five weeks. We're back on the 1st of September, I'll have you know. <laughs> and it would be much better if people weren't drilling and banging and we had some sunshine instead of the wonderful rain we get every summer. So, not happy. Yes, the drilling and the banging from the arsehole neighbours a couple of doors down. Language. This is rated 18, mummy. Language still, son. You can, you know, if it wasn't for them arseholes it'd be fine, but... So, why is it five weeks instead of six? Because it's been decided the children need more education because we weren't teaching them enough during lockdown, apparently. So, it's five weeks. Yeah, that's not good. No. We broke up on the last week of July and we're back on the 1st of September. Five weeks. The first being a Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> if they could have got us back on a Monday, they would have done, but it's bank holiday. Hmm. You feel sure. We're very aware. It's the government for you. Yes. It can't be helped. Although, I'm sure Busty Dog loves having everybody at home. Yes, he does like having us at home. He likes the company. He just gets one normally. And then there's a couple of hours when he's on his own until I come through the door from work. So then he gets very excitable. Yes. 
Although soon he gets to watch his favourite programme ever, Rex and Hudson. <laughs> For those that don't know, Rex and Hudson is a TV show based from Canada where Detective Hudson, who was famously a loner before he got partnered up with Canine Rex and it's about their adventures together. But Buster Dog seems to love Rex and Hudson. He will curl up and sit there and watch it. Unless you see him watching it and then he throws his I know watch now. Not with me, he doesn't. I know watch Rex now. I go somewhere else. You know where I bust. Buster says, fuck off voice me want to sleep. He's fine, leave him be. <laughs> He's a tired little teddy bear. Mm. All that sudden drilling. I know. Mm. I think they're building a house at the bottom of the garden, a single story one, because there's a lot of piping going in for a shed, mm. and a lot of tiles were cut, and you don't usually do that for a shed. No, you don't. So, I'm guessing there'll be yet another home built in the bottom of the garden. We seem to have quite a few of them around here. Yes. Which is a shame. Because people deserve a proper home and not just stuck in a shed. Even if the shed is made to look pretty. I agree with you, Monty. Yeah, I agree with you. Rent is very expensive now, so I understand it's cheaper to live in a shed. Now, if we could only get Cat God to live in a shed. You are not sending your brother to the shed. Why not? Get him a nice shed. No. It's Cat God. You have to go where your hot tub is, and we know how you feel about that. No, we're not moving a hot tub. Well, then. We can't have it both ways. See, we need a, a shed for James, for the Cat God. And he can conduct all his sermons and he can keep his psycho cat in the shed. The psycho cat will not stay in the shed. Yeah, well, James is there. But then how can he torment the dog? Dog has to go in the garden sometime. And he, how does he wallop us? What well, fun we is go there in the to, garden. What fun is there to be had if he lives in the shed? Not fun, it's safety for the rest of us. James's cat is psycho. He doesn't really go for you lot. It's us girls he goes for. And the dog, who he's decided is his favourite target. It's true. Hiding behind walls and doors and garden flower pots. So as the dog was bending my flowers so that he can jump out while the dog is doing his business. No wonder the dog does a lap of honour around the garden when he's done it. It's because he's got away with it without being attacked. Poor thing. Yes, that's right. James, his cat, cat god's cat, the Pope of Jamesdom, the prince cat himself, is a psychopath. He just doesn't like anybody that isn't James. <laughs> he doesn't like dogs. He doesn't like women. Except there are some little children going on their way to school, little girls, that they stroke him every morning when he's sitting on David's car. And they know it's James's cat, Mr. Courtney, it's your cat. And they know that, so they're quite happy. And every morning he has a nice little, that he watches as they give him the cat a little stroke. So, so it's, it's just oh, grown up people yeah, that the grown, cat don't like. It's just grown up women. <laughs> yes. And I don't see why, because we're the ones that buy his food. But even poor Paige, the amount of times she's hidden outside the bathroom door as she walked out, she's been walloped. Lady Paige is Daywalker's girlfriend. Daywalker is my second youngest brother. She has to call out and get David to help her so she can get out of the bathroom because he won't let her out without hitting her. Yes. So this is how it is. It's not you boys because he doesn't do that with you boys. Won't let me down the bedroom stairs sometimes he's hiding. Sometimes he comes up here and he comes under the bed and jumps 
hits the dog and then runs back under the other side and scares the life out of the dog because the dog can't see him. It's not fair. He only comes up when he knows the dog's up here to torment the dog. He gets great joy from that. Yes, this is very, very true. So the point now, dear listeners, where Cat God has to tell his Pope, be good. It reminds me of that advert for Peter Rabbit, where the farmer says, Peter, be good. And in his and he goes, but he's talking to me. No, he's not talking to everybody. No, Prince Cat, I'm talking specifically to you. Be good. Mm. So, that is... Thank you for being on the podcast, Mamsie. I want to thank the Wendy Lady for coming on this week's Alpha Zone. I want to thank fans of the Alpha Zone for supporting us. I would also like to thank you for being there and understanding why we have been away for so long. We did see the tweets and we did respond privately to the tweets. Next week we will be discussing Impact and AEW Rampage as well as WWE SummerSlam as well as anything newsworthy that happens during the week. Take care guys. Goodbye. Love from the Alpha.